Amen. That is our theme for this year. God is calling us to move forward, to move forward in, in what he has in store for us. We have been unpacking a little bit of this theme over the last two weeks on Vision Sunday. Pastor Steve and I tag team that message together to introduce that God is calling us forward. Last Sunday, if you were here, you heard me talk about God is calling us forward to in his presence to new places and new people. And God is taking Pastor Steve and Beth already to new places. They are in the Dominican Republic leading the Valiente Conference with Pastor Otto. And they've been there all week. They did two conferences last week and a lot of ministry connects and another conference yesterday. And, and today they're speaking in other churches. So already God's taking Pastor and Beth into their new journey and into their new calling and place. And we're excited in the house here because we know that God is calling us into new places and to do new things. And we're trusting him to unfold what his dreams are, to show us where he's taking us, what he has in store. And as we do that, I've been thinking a lot about this leading forward and trusting God. And what came to my mind was the leader, Moses. And Moses was given a staff. It was a great staff. Um, probably more than anything, it was a bit of a security stick for him because he was walking into some unknown territory with God, some, some territory that I'm sure would make any of our sandals shake or make us shake in our sandals. But God had said to him, I'm going to give you a staff and a vision, and I want you to go forward. And as God called Moses to step forward into new things, Moses may have been thinking to himself, I wonder what my staff will look like. Will I have my own personal administrative assistant? What will the chairman of the board be like? Staff, get it? Okay, okay. But no, God called him to pick up his rod, his staff, to walk by faith and learn not to put his trust in something that was in his hands, but to put his trust in a God who could do the impossible. And so God called Moses to go back to the country he was raised in of Egypt and to lead God's people out of Egypt, this land of slavery that they were in. And God gave Moses and Aaron specific instructions. And we know as you read through Exodus, the, the plagues that came and the miracles that God worked and, and how he worked powerfully and some powerful things happened around Moses and Aaron. And, and as God prepared Pharaoh to release them and for God to lead the people into the promised land. And you know, some cool stuff happened though, as Moses was leading the people forward and they got to the great sea and then they were stuck, Right? Uh, at that moment, they, were, they had the sea in front of them, and they had the Egyptians coming behind them. And in that moment, there was rumors started to spread. Hey, did Moses lead us out here so that we could die in the desert? I bet that Satan had something to do with starting that rumor. Because <laughs> he just kind of whispered in one ear, and did, who said that? Did somebody over there say that? That we, we were led out here to die? Well, where did you hear that? And then it would begin to work its way as gossip through the crowd. And so finally it affected Moses and he turns to God and said, God, uh, what do we do here? And you can open to Exodus chapter 14 and you can see where God responds to Moses and he says to him very clearly, why are you crying out to me? Hold out your staff in your hand and I will part the seas and I want you to lead the people forward. I want you to lead them forward. On dry ground they will walk. And you will lead them to the land that I promise that I will give you. 
In those moments, Moses was reminded that they were to be a people trusting in God. They were to be a people who were moving forward with God. They were not to be a people who were stagnant, who were looking back at the good old days. <laughs> How distorted is that? Looking back, thinking, oh, it was better in Egypt. They were being a people that were moving forward, trusting that God had greater things in store. Now, as I declare that, I'm not judging the Israelites. Uh, I've prayed through and read through many times of their account and think, how much would my knees be shaking if I were standing where they were and, lit and received the instructions of God? I share this because I want us to hear and know the truths of God. I want us to remember who our God is, how powerful he is. And he doesn't need a stick or a man or a woman. God wants our faith to engage with him, and he will do more than we can think or imagine. Amen? I'll keep this up here as a reminder for us that God is calling us to move forward. And as our pastoral team was praying about this theme and discussing, having some discussion times together, getting ready for 2019, I was listening to some, some other teachers and pastors and podcasts, and one that I listened to was from a church called Church on the Move, uh, Pastor Willie George and his son Whit George, and I was listening to it specifically because Whit and Willie were being interviewed about the transition that happened as Willie, the father, passed on the leadership mantle to his son Whit, and Whit was stepping in as the new lead pastor. I thought, oh, this sounds familiar. I should maybe do some listening. And Witt talked as he shared the vision with the church, and he said that uh, at one point his dad talked about changing the name of the church because their name of the church is Church on the Move. And he said they all kind of discussed that it's a funny name because, oh, hey, where do you go to church? A church on the move? What is that, like a motorhome? You know, is that a portable? Like, what is that, a caravan? And and so they said it was a kind of a funny, but then when they got down to the purpose and the why, the vision of why God had given them that name, that they were to be a church that's not stagnant, that's not stifled, that's not still, that's not living in the past, but they were to be a church on the move, moving forward with faith in God. They said, there's no way we can change this name. And then I started to think about another funny name of a church uh, called Koinonia. <laughs> Funny only because sometimes it's funny to listen to people try and pronounce it if they don't never heard it, right? <laughs> Koinonia? What, what is that? You know? And I thought, oh, this is an interesting one. And, and as I was thinking about this church, I was reminded that Whit George said one of his friends looked up the meaning of church on the move in Urban Dictionary. It's a crowdsourcing online dictionary, right? Not factual. Students, don't do your research at Urban Dictionary. But... But a humorous, uh, he said the definition for church on the move uh, that came out in Urban Dictionary was this. When a large group of people are at the club or a big party and things are popping off and everyone has to leave immediately for some reason. <laughs> they say church on the move. So the conversation would go like this. What's that? Oh, the cops showed up. Church on the move. And that would indicate that everybody should get out pretty quickly. The club scene knows what church on the move is about. Slightly distorted definition. So, so I began to think about koinonia, and what's the urban dictionary for koinonia? <clears throat> Any place there is a good community of people and animals. <laughs> Every day is different. People are supernaturally awesome. Oh, I'm starting to get that one. I like that part. Yeah. 
And so the conversation would go like this. Hey, I heard of this place where people are always awesome and they have so many different animals. The response is, yeah, that's totally koinonia in southwest Georgia. And so I began to dig a little further in my research and thought, what's koinonia in southwest Georgia? And as I looked for it, because the hashtags that went with this definition said hashtag uh, intentional community, hashtag pecans, hashtag Clarence Jordan. And I was like, what is this about? So I researched koinonia in Americus, Georgia, and there was a man by the name of Clarence Jordan who started a community farm called Koinonia Farm back in the 1940s. He and his wife were stirred and they said, we don't want to do religion or just go to church. We want to intentionally live out our faith in a way that's practical and real like Jesus taught us to, like the early disciples did. They had community and shared things together and raised food together and helped build one another's houses. And, and so out of this movement and this vision became Koinonia Farm, Koinonia Community. And as I read through some of the history and the articles of this farm and this movement, I discovered that what was eventually birthed out of it was the, the vision of Habitat for Humanity. Have you heard of that before? Habitat for Humanity came out of this desire of people to live out their faith in real and practical ways. And it didn't take me very long when I landed on that to think, hey, wait a second. I've been involved in Habitat for Humanity in Waterloo Region. In fact, just around the corner from my home is a street and I did the research to find out the dates. In 1993, they called it the Jimmy Carter Project, where in 10 days, 10 homes were built for 10 families on Daniel Avenue in Kitchener, right around the corner from where I live. I also knew that the home I lived in on Bloomingdale was part of a Habitat for Humanity piece. Uh, I had asked my friend who owned it before us, I messaged him and said, hey, tell me the details of that again. So he said, yeah, in the mid-90s, 95, Habitat moved the home to its current location where we live now. And he said for he and his wife to qualify to buy the home, uh, it was a Habitat for Humanity, so they needed to put in some sweat equity and start working. And so they, who are a part of this Koinonia congregation, said, hey, is there anybody who could help us build our home? And so I heard about how there was a general contractor here at Koinonia serving with Habitat for Humanity. I heard about the electrician who helped wire my home for Habitat for Humanity actually turned out to be my son's father-in-law. I was looking at all these pieces starting to come together and say, oh God, this is so cool. You took what was Koinonia Farm and what was meant to be intentional following out their faith and walking it out. And you took that and you began to birth in it a vision of Habitat for Humanity. And Habitat for Humanity then came and started to, to work and build houses. And my friend said, this Habitat for Humanity home that we were building was no longer a Habitat build. It became a Koinonia build as people came from Koinonia and came and helped him build his house. Yeah, like, God, what are you doing? This is pretty exciting. <laughs> And somebody came to me after first service and said, I think that's prophetic where you live. And I said, amen, I will claim that. We're part of Koinonia Farm. <laughs> I don't feel like a farmer, but Koinonia involves animals, right? So, so God's up to something good, something big, something great. And we're going to believe him to fulfill bigger dreams than we can think or imagine. Friends, God is just posturing you today for what he's going to break through and do miraculously tomorrow. 
or next year or whatever time period is, so get ready for it for today. God is unfolding things that we are sensing in our spirits and we are declaring in the physical realm to say, God, let it be so. My wife reminds me to slow down when I get excited and swallow. You see, I get excited because when I read things about how God's working in history and communities, when I get to his word and I read about his church and what he is posturing his church to go forward in, I get excited that my, with my God, with our God, all things are possible. I believe that through and through to my heart, even in the midst when I'm facing opposition, when I'm facing heartache, when I'm facing addictions that, that are around me or my friends are struggling with. I believe that, that God is greater than those situations. When darkness is on my doorstep, I say no to it because my God is greater than that. And I get excited because what I read in God's word is what he talks about his church. Church, ecclesia. It's a gathering of people, an assembly of people. It's a coming together of people who go forward in, in God's purposes. If you look at the Greek word and break it down, the preposition ek means out of. And the verb that puts together the rest of the word means to call. So a church is a people called out. It's a people that are not supposed to stay on the couch. It's a people who are not to be stagnant, but they're to be active in their faith walking forward. We're to be a church on the move. We're to be koinonia on the move. A people who are intentional in their faith and say yes to Jesus and say, we want to see you do what your dream is that you laid on the hearts for this world. I get excited when I hear in the video as it was phrased, the church is a people, not a building. We are a people. You and I are the church. We the people. <laughs> that sounds interesting. We are a people, not a building. But so often the enemy takes this word church and just distorts it, just tweaks it a little bit, and then we could easily get off course. Because he starts to plant a thought in that, oh, the church is about people. Maybe I can distract them and get them focused on attendance. And the church is about attendance. So yes, it's all about numbers, and you should be counting, and you should get as many in, and you should boast about your numbers, and that'll declare what kind of church you are. The truth is the church is about people, but the enemy distorts it just a little bit. Uh, another way he distorts it is that it's a, it's a place, it's a gathering, it's where people gather together to worship like we're doing this morning corporately. But the enemy tweaks it a little bit and he says, ah, it's about your building. Why don't you build something big and high and towering and glorious and then if you build it, they will come. <laughs> he distorts the truth just a little bit. Because thank you, God, that we have a building. We are blessed to have this facility for our school, for our events, for activities, for people to come and feel like, hey, this kind of feels like the office when I walk in, but people are smiling and they're glad to be here, so it must not be at work. I know that's not true, but if there is an element where, but the enemy tweaks it just a bit and he says, if you make big buildings, then the world will know you, you've arrived. Or even like I talk about our breakthrough offering. Because finances, all that we have, we believe that our finances are God's. He puts it, he gives it to us, he puts it in our hands. But the enemy tweaks it just a little bit and says, hey, if you give, you will get. That's not in the word. That's not what God teaches. And yet, he, the enemy just whispers these little things and people pick them up. 
And even they find their way into churches and they begin to be what people believe. We need to keep coming back to saying, God, what is your purpose for us as a church? What are you calling us to? I remember very clearly a September when I was 10 years in ministry, been serving as a pastor for 10 years. And, and I remember going into that fall and we were getting ready with our programs. We were starting up our programs again and I just felt flatlined. I felt very uh, lifeless. It felt like we were just trying to make things happen in and of our own effort. That I, as the leader, were trying to build God's church so he'd be proud of us, so he'd smile on us with favor. He'd be pleased with what we had done for him. Look at the good job, God. And that wasn't like my words every Sunday, but something inside of me like that message was, was fueling me. And I said, Lord, really? Like we've grown from 40 to 60, if we include the animals, and we've grown to 100 but, but God, a hundred, like you're, you're a God of more than a hundred. How do you want to build your church? I began to release and say, oh, wait a second, Father, you, you pastor this church. You lead it. You show us what you're about and what you're wanting to accomplish. And the Holy Spirit took me to Matthew 16. Would you open there? Matthew 16 and that wasn't just the intro to the message, okay? I just didn't finish the introduction there in case you're worried of, oh my goodness, he's just opened the Bible. How much longer are we going to be? <laughs> it's, it's leading us to where God's taking us as we go forward. Matthew 16, this passage of deep revelation stirred in me something to believe with God. All things are possible in his vision and dream for his church. It was when Jesus said to the disciples, and he was trying to get them to a point where they would say the truth out loud, where they would declare for themselves what they believed. And he asked the 12 disciples and others who were gathered with them. He said uh, they were in the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And in that moment, Peter rose up with the culmination of all of his faith and things that were coming together. And in that moment, I believe he listened to what was stirring inside of him. And he boldly declared, you are, Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I believe he did it so the whole crowd could hear. <laughs> you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Because as Jesus responded to Peter, he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I remember being in the spot of prayer and asking God, how do you want to build your church? Jesus, what are you doing? You're more than a church of 100. And him giving me this text and it just coming alive inside of me to say, oh my goodness, Father, this is how you build your church. The first thing I want to point out here is that he said, I will build it upon this rock. He spoke very clearly saying, Peter, you've received this from the Father. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, some think he was referring to Peter as going to be the first bishop of the church, the first leader. Well, Peter was already a leader within the church and the believing community. 
But a reality is also here is this word, this declaration was like the foundation that the church would be built on. The foundation will be built upon the truth that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. The church of God is to be centered on Jesus. That's what Koinonia here is still about. And that was a starting point for the building of the church. It was to be around Jesus and upon Jesus. And as I read this and, and see this insight and this revelation unfolding, I see that the church being centered on Jesus, it easily grows to something that's bigger and different and more. Because when there's new believers that get in tune with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, it does something on the inside of you, right? It begins to warm your heart. It begins to fill your faith, begins to fill you with hope. The Holy Spirit entering you starts to make you smile more. This is your cue, smile more. It makes you come alive in new ways. Like you've seen people who are new to, their, to the faith, right? They, they don't want to sit still. They want to tell you about what's going on. You, have you heard of this? Like, I feel love. Yeah, I know. I feel forgiven. Yeah, I know. Like, it's so good to talk with new believers in this way. When people, when Jesus Christ, who is building his church, gets alive in somebody, they, they can't sit passively. <laughs> because something's inside. Sometimes they just want to jump a little bit in worship, right? Or like Nathan up here, he just wants to dance because, you know, Jesus is lighting him up. But when things happen inside of us, we start to grow. Our community grows. All of a sudden, there's lights flashing and there's fog happening. And we're like, where did that come from? And we just need to express our joy and our faith and our celebration. But it all centers on is founded upon Jesus. He's the foundation of the church. He is the rock, the cornerstone that everything is centered around. The second part I saw in this text is the fact that Jesus builds his church. Jesus builds the church. And as a pastor and a leader, I went, whew, why am I just going, 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 working, 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 thinking if I just work harder, I'm sure it's going to happen. If I put in more hours, I think it's going to happen. If I pray longer, I'm sure God's going to just show up because he saw that I prayed more than other people. And then I read these words that Jesus said, I will build my church. Then I just yielded and said, then God, do it. Go for it. <laughs> Here I am. Build it through me. Build it through us as a community. Father, we know that we are your hands and feet. You use and speak through our, our voices, your voice to this world. So Jesus, come and build your church. It tweaked my prayer life back to a more pure way. Jesus, I want this to be your church, not Brian's church. I want this to be you to be known through this place, not us as, oh, look at that community out there. They, they've got it going. No. We want people to respond and say, what's happening in Bloomingdale? Oh, God's showing up. <laughs> Jesus is there because that's what he's at the center. So I say, Lord Jesus, then build your church your way. As he builds, it involves us because he wants to pour spirit through us his voice and heart through us. He wants to empower our hands, our giftings. I believe the instrumentalists up here wouldn't be half as good if they tried to play on their own. But when you get the Holy Spirit playing through Adam and his guitar, then it gets to be something we want to hear. And we say, yes, Lord, I want to glorify you because you are showing up in this gifting. Something else I see in this passage is when Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, 
He was pointing out that he is a regular everyday guy just like you and I. He has an earthly father. And he said, blessed are you because what you just said did not come from your own, but it came from a revelation of my heavenly father. My father gave you this revelation of truth. And upon it, great things are going to be built in my name. And what that says to me as a follower of Jesus Christ, as one who puts faith in God, is God can speak through me with fresh revelation. Fresh revelation is so important. It keeps us alive. It keeps us believing for what God's going to do in his church, in, his fa- in your family, in your workplace. He can give you fresh revelation of what he wants to accomplish and do. And it stirs in us. And I remember Pastor Steve saying this a few years ago. He said, our kids cannot live out their faith based on what God did with our generation. Our kids need to experience God fresh for themselves. Because when you experience freshness from God, then you can't go back. There's no denying it. Because it's something you personally have experienced and has been unfolded for you. And I have added, oh, I was going to pick up our Target 219 cards. I took them down. I added to my Target 219 card is, God, I want you to bring fresh revelation to me regularly through the 219. Bring it to me so that my faith expands and, and increases. And I get a little scared when I put that down, but I knew it was a God thing when I put it down because I get a little fearful that God's going to call me to do something that's pretty, pretty big and it's bigger than me. Oh, wait, that's what I'm supposed to be believing for. Something that I can't accomplish by my own hands, but only by the power of God can he accomplish things of parting waters and doing healing and bringing people and families back into reconciliation together. Church, I encourage you to seek God for fresh revelation. Father, speak to me so I can hear from your spirit. I want you to stir in me what to believe for, how to respond to this relationship, God, because I just see it going south. It's going down. It's going worse. Father, may you bring fresh revelation. Because we know, humanly, we can problem solve. (laughs) We know we can come up with some great solutions for things. I know how to fix this kid. (laughs) I know what to tell them. I know how to make my business run better. We can come up with lots of great stuff. But God wants to add the super to the natural. He wants to do more than we can humanly do in and of our own ability. That's why he didn't just say to the disciples, hey guys, I've taught you that the Father loves you. I'm going to do something special to forgive you and you know, good luck with that and go change the world. <laughs> no, he said to them, because Christ is in you, you are in me and I am in you. Then I want you to go and be a light to this world. Be salt that penetrates and changes and transforms. And so church, I call you to the same Seek out fresh revelation in your faith walk with God. Now let me give you the fourth and last insight here. And that is the part when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of Hades cannot overcome it. The fourth point I have for you is that the church is powerful. The church is powerful in the spiritual realm and in the earthly realm. Because Jesus knew what he was saying when he said all the darkness of evil and sin and opposition to the things of God cannot overcome the power of God and the church of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Some of us are still going, I wonder what that supernatural spiritual, what does that really mean? Jesus had come from heaven to earth. 
And so he had seen the enemy. He had seen Satan oppose God the Father and be kicked out of heaven. And so he knew that the power of the enemy, the evil one, was wanting to distort the truth and destroy the church. But he said to his disciples, Jesus said to the first gathered assembly, to the first church, he said to the community of Koinonia right there, he said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell has nothing in comparison to me. And so as we come as the church of Jesus Christ, as the church believing that God is going to build his church, as we come forward then, I say, church, let's have the same faith and belief that the gates of hell cannot overcome us. The gates of hell are going to be right there trying to whisper gospel trying to cast fear into our hearts and eyes. They're going to try and get us to participate in the things of the world because that looks like it's going to be fulfilling and fun when it's only temporary and destructive. And the enemy is right there, but we can turn and say, no, in Jesus' name. You're not taking my life. You're not taking my family. You're not taking my community. The enemy wants to come in and divide up koinonia that we have. He wants to put us against each other. He wants us to pick sides and say, well, we're from this group and you're from that group because he knows, the enemy knows, if he can divide us and we don't have unity in Jesus' name, then the power of God is not going to be flowing through us. We're going to be hindered because we're going to be more concerned about our self-righteousness than we are going to be concerned about what God is doing among us. And so as we look at this text of how the gates of hell cannot overcome the church of Jesus... Church, I invite you to pick it up by faith, to stand by faith and say, yes, Lord, I believe that greater are you who's in us than the one who's in the world. And I don't preach this because I think this is a textbook and I've just got to give you your lesson for the day. I share this with you emphatically because I stand in faith believing for my own family, for my own life, for my own community and neighborhood, saying, no, the enemy cannot take it saying that I believe that my God is greater. I believe that hell cannot overcome, but God is going to bring his truth and his power in his way. And I want to continue to believe and move forward to see him do it this year. That's why I share it with you. Amen. Amen. And what I want to highlight for us, I don't even know if I've said this because I just get excited. But God is calling us to go forward together. That's what community is. Koinonia, together. That's why the enemy's going to be working to make sure we're not together. He's going to keep trying to work his way in. But he's calling us to do, God is calling us to do life together. Do you remember the dominoes that were in the video of our theme for this year? Um, Pastor Nathan said he and the creative team tried to set up thousands of dominoes and it just wasn't working. But I went online this week and was watching some domino videos. You know, 250,000 dominoes, uh, 500,000, and they were trying to break world records. But as we talked as a creative team about this domino effect as a church, what we saw within it is that God puts us in life together, close together, side by side, with each other. Because what we know is that the church didn't start with man's idea. It started as a dream of God started in God's heart. And we know that when God reaches out and he touches one of those dominoes, then it leans over and touches another one and has an impact on another. 
And that one leans over and has an impact on another. And the domino effect when God's finger and God's hand and his heart and his love is involved continues to impact something that has no end. It can continue to touch and go around this world. It wasn't just meant for us in Waterloo Region. It wasn't meant for us in Ontario. It was meant to reach to Dominican, to Africa, to, to be this whole world. When God reaches out and has an effect upon us, that will impact somebody else. But realize this. It is so easy for us to do life by ourselves. To live far apart. To feel like it's safer. To, to separate ourselves. So that when God touches our lives, great, it's good. And then we fall and there's no effect. The enemy wants to divide us so we have no impact, no effect, no encouragement, no connection. But God has put us in community. God has put us in koinonia so that we can experience his presence leading us by his power to new places and to touch new people. Church, do you hear what I'm saying? This is why I believe so strongly that we are called to go forward as a church in Jesus' name this year. Let me bring this message to a conclusion. Are you living in the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, as life giver, the source of joy, the one who can light you up when everything in your day, your circumstance and your body says, take the day and just shut down. But you turn to Jesus and say, I'm living for you. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Don't go anywhere in this world, in this year, until you know him as Savior and Lord. Church, do you seek God for fresh revelation? Uh, don't just open your Bible to read it because it's what Christians do. <laughs> do you open it up as the living, active word of God? and Say, Father, speak to me from your word. Your word is alive. Your spirit is in me. I believe I'm going to see revelation from you. Speak to me, Father. Church, if you seek Christ in this way, he's going to light up 2019 like you've never experienced. Amen. I hope and encourage us as a church body that we would pray together, believing Jesus to build his church as he takes us into his presence and he does it by his power.